You listen to 247 Real Talk. I'm your host, Julian Perry. Once again, it's a pleasure to be here with you on my audio podcast and on the Mogul TV Global Network. On this episode, I'm going to chat with you a bit about how you're really doing, really. So sit back, relax. I'll be right back with you. everyone. It's a pleasure to be here with you again. I sometimes say good evening because I record in the evenings. You can probably tell by the lighting in the studio. Um, it's dark outside. It's I'm in New York. It's, um, it's fall season. It's starting to get a little cool, but we're still getting during the day some 60s and upper 60s that still make it feel quite warm for this time of year, and I'm thankful for that. Um, I have a bit of a allergy situation going on, so if you see me you know, do like this from time to time, you know, it's okay. So anyway, um, I wanted to have this quick conversation with you. You know, I've, I've been struggling this week because of conversations I've been having with so many people. And that's why I call this episode, How Are You Doing? Really? I mean, really, how are you doing? People talk about my episodes and the, the topics I cover and their... Um, and, and when we have these conversations, I find out more and more that people are struggling to survive and they want to be a part of the movement that makes a change. They want to unite one by one, two by two, whatever it takes to get to that place where we can demand a change in this, to, to color people, to people of poverty, people of lower income and lower middle income especially. But they're so busy trying to survive. I mean, the stories I hear are, 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 are depressing at times as people tell me about lost jobs and, and lost well, incomes in terms of uh, a breadwinner from the pandemic. And, you know, we have, we have been so distracted by the daily struggle that we have, I don't think many of us have taken the time to really absorb what we went through over the last two, two and a half years. We went through a life-altering experience. We went through something that for many people will be a once-in-a-lifetime experience, a pandemic. So many lives were lost. The things we saw that are etched in our minds that we can't forget, even though we don't want to remember. You know, I, I worry about where we are in, in this country and where we are in this world, but I'll speak of this country because this is where we are in the United States of America. I look at the politicians. I see the greed of the rich. I see decisions being made for people of, of, of who are struggling, people who have gone through, like I said, life-altering situations and conditions because of the pandemic, and no one cares. I keep repeating this, and I know if you've, if you've watched enough of my podcast or if you listen to enough of the audio podcast, you will say, I've heard this before more than once, over and over again. And I keep saying it because I'm trying to get the message out there, and I keep asking my listeners to help spread the message, either by taking the 
advocacy on, on your own or taking my podcast and sharing it with more and more people. This is a serious issue. We are in serious times. You know, it's amazing to see how much politicians live on their own partisan affiliation and how little it has to do with human life. You know, I know, I remember speaking to some friends in the military years ago who talked about sitting in C-130 transport planes on top of, of, of reams and reams of, you know, millions of dollars printed from you know, U.S. currency given to Iraq and, and to other countries in the world. And we know we're doing it in Ukraine right now. And American people are punishing. And our politicians are the ones who sit nice and, and cozy and comfy every day in their in their in their in their high you know high elevated positions that we put them into are more concerned about you know how does the US dollar value to the rest of the world because they're concerned about wealth. And I know that if they feel that if they if they obviously if they make an influx of money into the economy, that's gonna devalue the dollar. So who pays the price? The American citizens. The people who they depend on when any other country or any other issue challenges this country are the same people they stomp on when they, when they feel we're not useful for that moment. You look at a place like Ukraine where all the Ukrainians are fighting for their country. They're fighting side by side as equals. They're treating each other as equals. And we are helping them, but we won't help our own. I am ashamed at what our current administration in this country is doing when it has the power to make a change, to recognize that it is, it is occupying the White House and the, and, and the government at a, at a critical time in the history of this country. I hear stories of people telling me that they lost their jobs. And it was a two-income household and one breadwinner is lost to the pandemic. And now their dream that they, that they entered into many years ago is in jeopardy because they're struggling to pay their mortgage. And they're in huge credit card debt because when they lost the, the money from the, the pandemic and the breadwinner, they used their credit cards not for frivolous purchases, but many times for clothing and for food, for necessities. And because it took so long to come out of the pandemic and it took so long and it's, the economy is still struggling, they kept using them, hoping for that day when they could pay them back. They're paying, they're not in arrears, but they're paying the bare minimum. And we are living in a time where we're completely ignoring the fact that there's inflation. I see the news every night on different channels and no one is screaming about the prices of food. You go to even wholesale places and the, product, the cost of food has increased threefold. And then we see that the president has, for the second time, released some oil reserves. And that is wonderful for now. But what about the months and months and months and months we went on where he didn't? Where the price of gas went over $5 a gallon, where people who had to use their vehicles to get their children, however, whatever they had to do, had to pay that cost on top of the cost of living and on top of the, 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 the brutal beating they had taken from the pandemic. Gas was never supposed to get that high to begin with if you were talking about helping people because then only rich people could afford to pay for it. 
So people are now in debt. Every statistic you hear in the news talks about the debt, the credit card debt, and the debt the American people are in. And the stories that people tell me personally with tears in their eyes is what happens come January 1st when they have to pay student loans. And yes, every time I have an economic conversation, I come back to student loans because it's going to be the, the death or the nail in the coffin of millions of Americans in the nail in their American dream. They're going to have to do one thing or the other, pay their student loans and not pay their rent or not pay their credit cards. Either way, they're doomed because in one way or the other, some debt collector is going to come after them and their salary. And the federal government is one of the most aggressive debt collectors. So now they're going to have to deal with someone garnishing their check. They can't pay their credit card. They can't use their credit card. They can't pay the minimum. Their, their, their credit score goes down. That, 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 that mythical uh, ripoff of something called credit score in the United States. And I've, I've, I've done an episode on credit, on credit scores before, and I'll do another one um, to share it with more people so you understand what kind of crooked system that is that's designed for the wealthy and is not designed to help people. Imagine you're, 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 if, if, if you try to get, say, a, a personal loan now to pay off debt to lower your interest rate that you're paying on different credit cards, you should see the rates that they're charging and they say that's based on your credit score. But how did your credit score get that way when you never missed a bill? We went over this conversation and it's a different one that I don't want to get into in depth now, but the point is, where are the systems that are truly designed so that we can all enjoy the American dream? They don't exist. The systems that exist allow rich people to get richer and point their fingers to the rest of the world, the rest of society, and say, we're not like them. We're better than them. Many of these people are born into wealth that came before them. Many of these people over their lifetime end up in court and in jail for, for the greed and for the crookedness they did to, to gain more wealth. We know the Bernie Madoffs, right? We know these people who had dreams of being so rich that the only way they became rich was to make People who had struggled so hard and saved their money was to steal from them, was to destroy their lives to live the lifestyles they wanted. Come on, America. We have to do better. We have to do it now. I'm calling. I'm looking right at you into this camera. I'm asking you to share this episode with every single person you know. Those on my audio podcast do the same. Call upon the President of the United States to stand up and be the man and leader of this country and to tell Congress, if I can't forgive all student loans, then without an act of Congress, then I'm going to use my executive power to forgive 90% of it. I'm going to take the burden off the American people. I'm going to allow whatever has to be paid back even after that, I'm going to cap it at 5% of discretionary income for all loans, undergraduate and graduate. The differentiation of capping at 5% between undergrad and graduate is nonsense, considering that most people need a graduate degree to get a decent job. And those are the people, even then, those are the people who don't have to fight the systemic racism. Do, 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 do you think any of these people who are in Congress, any of these rich people understand what it is? And I know of someone personally who sent out almost 300 resumes. I know of someone who went and got an interview out of 300 resumes. I think they got two interviews. And one of the interviews they went to, they, was, they were really good at what they do, and they got, a second, they got a call back, and they went to a second interview. And they were so good, they went to the final interview, and they told me with tears in their eyes, they says, I got to the location in Manhattan, 
And I walked into the office and I knew I was done because I walked in there and I was the only person of color in the entire floor. The entire business, every single person from the employees to you know, the janitors to whomever was working there were all white. Now, don't get me wrong. Again, I say this to you all, this is not a prejudicial statement I'm making. This is a factual statement I'm making. They told me that they sat there and they went to the third interview and they got all sorts of praise from the people who were around them and seeing what they were doing as they, as they did the practical part of it. They know they aced it. But they also knew as they walked away from that, they could feel the sadness in their heart because they knew that they would not get a call even though they made it to the final round. Because when they sat in that office, they realized that they were out of place. That that office had a, a culture in it that didn't include people of color. And this has happened systemically across this nation. We turn a blind eye to it. We make all sorts of excuses for it. But the color of your skin does not determine the level of intellect or learning that you have. The color of your skin does not determine the level of excellence you can achieve. What is determining that we will always be in a struggle as people of color is because the opportunities are not afforded to us because we have a difference in color of skin. And we, people of color, are the majority in this country. Yet we, we lack the ability to unite, to use the power of the majority, and therefore we succumb to the rule of the minority. I don't know how many people are getting fired up. I know you're tired. I know you're worn, you're beaten down from a pandemic. I know you're just glad to be outdoors again and to be able to go somewhere and live some sense of normalcy. I know some of you are mourning the loss of loved ones. I know some of you don't have time to, to digest what I'm saying because you have to go to sleep and take care of the kids and get up and go to your second job. And the rest of you are sitting there trying to figure out how long you can be able to live in your house before the hammer drops and you start dealing with the banks coming after you? When the paychecks you get from working endlessly and tirelessly don't add up to the bills you have. Because all of the, the, before the pandemic, you were just making it. You had managed to find a job, you had managed to buy a house and buy whatever you had within those means. And, and look what happened to the nation. And now you're barely making it and you're waiting for the, for the vultures to come to snatch away your American dream. Because your own government, your own human beings standing side by side, your own human beings that bleed the same blood, that have features the same but difference in color, your own human beings that are so involved and so, and so engulfed by greed and the need to be so wealthy, that they will stomp on you and tread over all of you and all of us to achieve their dream of unending wealth. They have some mythical understanding that when they die, just like we all will, that maybe someone's going to go to the bank and, and, and turn all, all their wealth into cash and stuff it in their casket and bury it with them. And maybe when they wake up in the afterlife, they'll be rich again. I feel sorry for these folks who have taken materialism and made it the, the, the measuring rule or the, the measuring stick for how they treat human beings. 
We should take a pride in being human beings with each other. I, I think about people who have positions at jobs and businesses who make the business and the job about the, the work and not the people. I've heard that said to my face, that their job, someone said it to me, that their job and everything they do is about the work, not the people. People as narcissistic as that fail to realize the error of their own ways and are so engulfed in their own mind and being legends in their own mind that they fail to listen enough and, and they, they fail to have the capacity to understand how wrong they are. But I'm someone of faith and I'm someone who has hope. And despite the stories I hear, and despite my own challenges, and despite the days when I feel, how do I get up and stand again? I get up and I stand again the next day. Because nothing is forever. Nothing stays the same. Everything changes after one time or another. And despite the violence we see even here in New York and around the world and the, the lack of, of, of empathy and the lack of care for another human life, the way we read in the news and listen to the news every day and hear how we're shooting and killing and stabbing each other, where we have diminished the value of life to nothing but an argument or, or, or someone bumping into each other. Just days ago, two gentlemen bumped into each other on, on a platform in, I forgot which train it was in Queens, and one of them ended up even being pushed or, or fell on the tracks and lost their life. This is how we value human life. People are getting robbed and slashed and stabbed and, and every day. I don't remember in all my years hearing of so many hit-and-run accidents where people are hitting people accidentally, you know, whatever, whatever reason, purposely crushing them, taking a life and taking off. An accident is an accident. If we drive and we care, we care for each other, then an accident is an accident. But these are hit-and-runs. Every single day in the New York City subway, someone is stabbed. People are being shot every day on the street. A few lives are lost each day. This is not about the, the, the instruments we use. This is about our lack of humanity and our lack of value of our lives and the lives of others. So how are you really doing? How do you feel if you sit back and examine your life? What do you feel you can do to help make a difference and to join me in this struggle, to make the voices scream louder, to understand that the people of color are the majority and if we can get past our differences, what a difference we can make for each other. We can change the playing field if we change our mindsets. I continue to hear people screaming, thunder of silence, I call it, for help. And no one is listening. Well, because this is real talk, I am listening. And I will continue each and every day to reach out to you with the hope that you will start listening to. And that you will become as, tr as troubled and affected, as disgusted as I am, as how we are conducting ourselves as human beings towards each other and towards life. And join me Join me in this change. Join me in making a difference. This has been Real Talk. I'm your host, Julian Perry. Until the next time, please 
Take care of yourselves and each other.